You're listening to Theology and Apologetics with Thomas Fretwell, bringing theology to life. Welcome back to the Theology and Apologetics podcast. This is our 10-minute devotion series, and I am excited today about this episode. We will be looking at the character of Aslan from the C.S. Lewis novels The Chronicles of Narnia and looking at what it can teach us about Jesus Christ. So listen and enjoy. I'm sure most of you are familiar with the C.S. Lewis series, The Chronicles of Narnia. Many of you from my generation will remember the BBC TV series from the late 80s and the 90s. And of course, the books have been around uh, longer than that. Uh, More contemporary audience will probably remember the, the recent movie adaptations. So in this allegorical fantasy, there is a character, the lion. We know him as Aslan. And his character is progressively revealed throughout the the story, the narrative of the books. And this is much the same way that we see God progressively revealed uh, through divine revelation in the pages of scripture. And as many of you know, Lewis used the Aslan figure as a Christ-type character in the books. And there's many parallels teaching us about Jesus Christ. Look out for them. We'll obviously highlight a few as we go now. In the main book, one of the most popular books anyway, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, we have the mention of this lion in the title, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. It's like a placeholder. However, what's curious is that there was actually no mention of the lion until chapter 7, when we meet the beaver, who is a faithful follower of the lion. In the conversation with beaver, we get the first mention of the lion's name, Aslan. Quote, they say Aslan is on the move perhaps already landed. And then the beaver goes on to say this, And now a very curious thing happened. None of the children knew who Aslan was any more than you do. But the moment beaver had spoken these words, everyone felt quite different. At the name of Aslan, each one of the children felt something jump inside them. That's all we hear until chapter 8, when the beaver again tells them, He's the king, he's the lord of the whole wood. But not often here, you understand. Never in my time or my father's time, but the word has reached us that he has come back. He is in Narnia at this moment. Lucy then asks, is he a man? Aslan, a man, said Mr Beaver sternly. Certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the woods and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of the beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. And then Lucy asks, I shall be quite nervous meeting a lion. Is he safe? And the beaver's memorable response is this. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. He isn't safe, but he's good. And that phrase has gone down as just a wonderful way of describing God. And it brings into our thinking the issue of God as both an awesome God, but also as a loving God. And in order to correctly unite these two elements of the God of Israel, we need to take the full progressive revelation of God as it is unfolded throughout the pages of Scripture. 
You see, too often today, the church has been guilty of missing the full character of God by selecting the attribute they want to emphasise and thereby not focusing on the full revelation of God in Scripture. C.S. Lewis continues, It's not until chapter 12, that's almost 70% of our way through the book, the children arrive at the stone table. It says this, Aslan stood in the centre of a crowd of creatures who had grouped themselves round him in the shape of a half moon. But as for Aslan himself, the beavers and the children didn't know what to do or say when they saw him. People who have not been in Narnia sometimes think that a thing cannot be good and terrible at the same time. If the children had ever thought so, they were cured of it now. For when they tried to look at Aslan's face, they just caught a glimpse of the golden mane and the great, royal, solemn, overwhelming eyes, and then they found that they couldn't look at him and went all trembly. Again, a wonderful description in this allegorical story by Lewis. A holy God, but also a God of love. How is this, says the world? And tragically, sometimes the church is not sure how to explain this either. Notice in that quote, it said that it is those who haven't been to Narnia. This is the fantasy world in the Chronicles of Narnia series. It's representative, I guess, of some way of heaven or the future kingdom. He says it's those who haven't been to Narnia who cannot understand how he can be good but not safe. And this is a parallel to us. We should be able to explain this because we are citizens of God's kingdoms. We have been to Narnia, so to speak. And here is how we do it. We explain the message of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Too often to try and make God a God of love, we have also made God safe. We've sanitised him. We've made him more palatable to the masses. Too often we have turned the Lion of Judah, Aslan, into a toothless house cat, and usually for cultural acceptance. We have become guilty of making God in our own image when we do this. Unless we take God as he chooses to reveal himself to us in all his fearful glory and his everlasting mercy and compassion, we will never fully understand the reason why God had to come to die and what it meant for us. We have to recapture a vision of God that is absolutely incomparable to anything else. We must understand who God is. Let me quote to you a a part of a sermon by the late A.W. Tozer. It's called God is Not a Railway Porter, and it touches on this issue. He says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? We must be concerned with the person and character of God, not the promises. Through promises we learn what God has willed to us. We learn what we may claim as our heritage. We learn how we should pray, but faith itself must rest on the character of God. Is this difficult to see? Why are we not stressing this in our evangelical circles? Why are we afraid to declare that people in our churches must come to know God himself? Why do we not tell them that they must get beyond the point of making God a lifeboat for their rescue or a ladder to get them out of a burning building? How can we help our people get over the idea that God exists just to help them run their businesses or fly their aeroplanes? God is not a railway porter who carries your suitcase and serves you. God is God. He made the heaven and the earth. He holds the world in his hand. He measures the dust of the earth in the balance. He spreads the sky out like a mantle. He is the great God Almighty. He is not your servant. He is your father and you are his child. He sits in heaven and you are on the earth. A.W. Tozer. And let me read a quotation from the book of Exodus, chapter 34. 
It says, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. And then after that it says, Moses made haste to bow low towards the earth and worship. This vision, this revelation of God caused him to fall to his knees and worship God. And when we consider how awesome God is, how mighty Aslan the Lion was in these novels, it should drive us to our knees to worship him. Amen. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Theology and Apologetics. This podcast is supported by your generous donations. To help us continue to bring you great content, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash theologyandapologetics. If you've been blessed by this podcast, please leave us a review and remember to connect with us on social media. For more resources, please go to theologyandapologetics.com. Thanks for listening.